Welcome once again to another episode of Mike, Mike, and Oscar getting two ORCs for the price of one listening week for you, dear listener, today as we come back to you with another Oscar race checkpoint. I guess it's it's kind of cheating because we're doing kind of like an Oscar race checkpoint presents Oscar trailers review because we've had a lot of trailers for supposed and uh, presumed contenders stacking up over the last couple weeks that we have not had a chance to talk about yet. So we're putting a lot of the major ones into this episode and we will break them all down for you as only mmo can i am your co-host mike one this is co-host also mike yeah we got the makings of quite the episode today mike because there's <laughs> some rage against film twitter there's some absolute befuddlement on the world of oscar punditry and then there's a bunch of cool ass trailers for new movies that may never come out all of them <laughs> may never come out and some well some of them will because they're on netflix and streaming services but right others Exactly. I mean, we're just slowly sliding into this world of streaming, and I hope you enjoyed the last time you were in a movie theater back in the late 90s, early 2000s, because those are gone. But that's a different episode for a different day. That's right. Uh, We will talk about coming up. This is all Oscar trailers uh, going forward, and like Mike kind of alluded to right now, we have some takes that shock of shocks aren't going to fall in line with the majority but if you've been listening to us for a while you're going to be used to that and the first of those takes is going to come from our first look at the big front runner right now according to a lot of people in the industry the trial of the chicago seven which is coming out on netflix michael uh we had this trailer happen this trailer felt a lot like the Judas and the Black Messiah trailer mm-hmm. in terms of structure of the trailer, where you have the mantras chanted uh, throughout, uh, yes. you know, from the protests that were happening on screen there, and uh, the Daniel Kaluuya taglines from the from that first trailer kind of kind of changed gradually. This was one repetitive theme, and the whole world is watching. Look, I think that this movie has a lot going for it. This trailer didn't necessarily do anything so special where I'm blown away and I'm saying it's got to be in in the Oscar best picture race and and it's got to be in the front runner pole position, Mike. Are you you feeling anything different? Are you getting the goosebumps that you usually would get from a best picture front runner type trailer that we've gotten in the past? So goosebumps isn't what I was feeling. <laughs> um, look, when I first watched this, mm-hmm. I, I I was d- disappointed. This felt like a mess. This this screamed mess to me, right. or, or disappointment. And maybe that's not even harsh enough. I I was kind of downright turned off the first time I saw this trailer, and that is such a vast difference from yeah. All the hype and all the excitement that's out there right now for this movie, and maybe I bought into that a little bit, or maybe I bought into it because it's Sorkin, and we're such big fans of Aaron Sorkin here. Sasha Baron Cohen's attached. We love him. Joseph Gordon-Levitt. There's a lot of people we like in this movie. So I I think maybe I let myself buy into that hype a little bit as well, and maybe it was just one of those, well, of course this is going to be good because look at the talent attached. It still may be everything it's cracked up to be and more, but this first look 
was just off to me, and I couldn't quite put my finger on why. Well, I think it's a situation where you're kind of putting your finger in a dam of uh, overwhelming force and power because we're living (laughs) in the times that we're living in, Mike. And I agree with you. I don't think you can take this trailer and not put it in the overall context of what we're living through now with the, the heroics of the Black Lives Matter movement, the tragedies of that movement and the fight for social justice going on right now. You can't watch this and not see parallels, not see echoes right. to what's happening in the news every day, on our streets every day, with what we've seen with our own eyes. You cannot distinguish the two. Yeah. And I think our overall problem is with the fact that this movie's been put in the pole position for Best Picture, essentially based on the similarities between real life and what we've seen in this trailer or what we knew of this premise and what we know of the themes of this movie that I don't think are nearly the same and that I do think are a false equivalency to what's going on right now. And I don't think that makes it a bad movie or a bad project or, or something that we should, you know, necessarily shelve for t- until 2026. But if I'm Aaron Sorkin, if I'm Netflix... I'm probably looking at the times right now, and I'm putting this movie on the shelf for a little bit. That's what I'm probably doing. So you look at what's happening just in the world on a day-to-day basis, and you see these these protests and these confrontations and this abuse of power that's underscoring all of this. And you, you, you look at this movie, you can dramatize anything for cinema's yeah. sake. If, if a confrontation with police, if police being too, uh, using too much force to upset people who are just expressing their, their freedom, their right to protest, uh, if you're going to put that in a trailer, at least give me some context. If you're going to do that in 2020, based on what's happening right now, to let me know that it's more than just a plot device for incendiary reasons. Like, give me a reason that this is happening so I, I'm okay, because the reason that it's happening in the real world is pretty fucking gross. Yeah. And if you're not putting any context behind it in the trailer, to me, you're just putting it there because you know, you think you can take advantage of what's happening in real life right now. And that, can't help that's exploitation. Yeah, I can't help but be cynical in the same way, Mike, because, you know, you literally have the big bad guys in this trailer are the shotgun cocking cops right. all lined up in a row ready to fire at protesters and then you have the smug clean cut glasses wearing joseph gordon levitt evil lawyer representing how corrupt and how effed up the justice system is and you have unlike the current times that we're living in you have a bunch of uh 40-year-old white guys. I mean, and that's... the champions. That's here. one of the things that, that I was pounding the table most over. We just had an Oscar race checkpoint breaking yeah. down these new Academy standards, right? And we just talked about how absurdly low the bar for one of those inclusion standards is. And one of those bars was that 30% of background or actors or minor characters had to be of a different underrepresented ethnicity. And yet here we have this supposed front-runner all of film Twitter loves it. Everybody's picking it to be in the best picture race blindly, even though people know nothing about it in reality. And 
it would fail that one particular bar. I mean, we have dozens of people shown in this trailer, different groups, cops, protesters, a courtroom full of people. I literally counted six minorities, and only two of those minorities were women as well. That's what we're dealing with. I mean, what are we... We just talked about how nothing those standards are, and this would fail one of them. This would fail the standards. At least just based on what's shown in the trailer. There's no excuse not to have a diverse cast in this film, uh, at least front and center. Like, they have a, a, a black narrator of the trailer. So the, it's going to be a storyline in the movie. But let's backtrack a second, though, please. Because Aaron Sorkin has built a career on being this moral man who makes films that are centered on ethical dilemmas about progressive politics. Yeah, and, and I mean, everybody attached to this does too. Like, Sasha Baron Cohen is an advocate. Joseph Gordon-Levitt is... A, like, these are right. people we know that are decent human beings. This movie was written in 2007. It took 12 years to get it to the big screen, and they it was shot last September, this time last year. That being said, it's it's in Chicago, and it's about a bunch of white guys fighting for social justice and getting social justice, and then... Film Twitter sees that it's a protest movie about social justice, and right. they, they put it on this pedestal. Now, I don't think it's necessarily, if you just analyze its Oscars chances, I don't think it's necessarily on that level at all. We had, Mike, let me just rip these off real yeah. quick. We had Paramount sell this movie to nah. Netflix after posturing it as, as a September release. Then they sell it to Netflix for $56 million, which is not an abs- you know ridiculous sum. And then Netflix takes it and puts it six months out from the new Oscars in the middle of October. This is not, you know, these are not signs from a studio yeah. that uh, scream, you know, posturing towards a Best Picture campaign launch. Now, it doesn't necessarily disqualify it for Best Picture. Of course not. We've seen movies from every month in the release date calendar go on to win Best Picture. But for the punditry to say, and for Vegas to say that this is like the pole position movie, I, it makes no sense to me. I would think, based on the subject matter, it would be, have a much steeper hill to climb. It's... It's a letdown in two ways. One is the exploitation of current events and the tie-ins with what's going on in reality and the underrepresentation of equality when we're just talking about these new Academy standards. That's one way this trailer was a massive letdown. The other way is I agree with you. I don't... I mean, I know I'm on the record saying that I like when trailers hold stuff back. Yeah. If I didn't read the synopsis and read about what this movie actually is about on my own, I would have... No fucking idea why Joseph Gordon-Levitt is supposed to be the bad guy, why Sasha yeah. Baron Cohen is being questioned at all. I don't know what the conflict is. I don't know what the protests are being over. Like, you should give me just, never mind being accused of being exploitative of current times, which I really, truly think this trailer might be. Separate from that and independent of that, give me some sort of context so I have a clue of who to root for here, other than just assuming that Joseph Gordon-Levitt's the bad guy because he's wearing a suit, and Sasha Baron Cohen's the good guy because he's Borat. And I think what's it's most frustrating to you and I to have this movie with the black narrator talking about Malcolm X being dead, talking about activism being so important and 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 basically the stakes being so high setting us up teasing us 
and then we don't get any plot in the trailer. You're right. It's a misdirect. It's may it's making us think that this is not a film about Vietnam War protests. That it's a film about civil rights. Right. That it's not a you know again. And if that's purposeful, that's, that's that's more slimy to me. I don't like it. I don't like it either. I, I'm, I'm guessing that a teaser trailer is just kind of giving you kernels of the plot, and the next trailer will give us a lot more. I get that. And I, and I like the little nugget in here about what Sasha Baron Cohen's character is having to go up against. He's basically trying to show the hypocrisy of the justice system that, you know— his views on any one subject should not be on trial. His thoughts should not be yeah, on I'm trial. I'm on trial cetera, for my thoughts is what his character says. I like him. that. Yeah. I think it's it's important. But again, you know, don't make the trailers seem like the false equivalency that we're deathly afraid of here. Because look, we have seen the Oscars pick the White Savior movie how many times? We have seen the uh, the Academy put standards of inclusion and equality in last week that do nothing and that everybody this week hates that everybody this week is just crushing they're crushing them for their quote-unquote tepid response from april rain the uh originator of the oscar so white hashtag oscars pundit etc we have academy members like george clooney who get up there and stick their foot so far down their throats (laughs) their foot is in their mouth to the heel talking about oscars progressivism and hollywood progressivism (laughs) and the smugness causes how many south park episodes and we, we have been killing the the academy not just us but a lot of people have been killing the academy because of its lack of representation and it's just that how badly they have missed the mark on race relations in the past this would be a new low a new low as a statement best picture i just cannot fathom why a movie like this, where a bunch of white guys are get themselves some social justice, when we currently have black people dying in the streets, yep. fighting for it, yep. literally in front of our faces right now, we are gonna, you know, basically st- support that movement as as a, as, a, as a somehow a well-meaning academy by saying, "Oh, look at the good old days when the white people did it." It's galactically stupid to put it in uh, Aaron Sorkin language. Well. Okay, so a couple things. One, yes to everything you say, but again, it, we have to underscore we're only reacting based on what we see. Now, there's a chance that this trailer could be a misdirect in and of itself and that the movie could fix all those ills, but then my question would be, then why the fuck did Netflix choose to cut this trailer this way if they're not trying to be... I mean, this this reeks of exploitation, if nothing else, of current times. I would like to see this be a good movie. I would like right. to see this be something that we're proud of at the end of the day but mike it should not be a statement best picture winner it it should be released three years from now i mean have some tact part of that is our fault i think in film twitter because there is this problem not to get on my high horse and be filled with righteous no we're already up on the high horses i i (laughs) well there's there's a problem and if you talk to william bibiani who had on the show talking about eric weber said there's this problem in film Twitter and it's all driven by social media. We got to get those likes. I got to say something. I got to be right. I need everyone to prove. And I'm guilty of it. I mean, we're guilty of it on the show. It, it, it's, it's hard not to buy into that, but 
there's a problem of following the leader and wanting to be in this parade that when somebody with notoriety feels some way about a movie, I want to follow along because I want my opinion to be out there earliest because I want to be able to retweet it when the Oscars are done eight months from now and say, look how early I was on this train and look how right I was all along. And I get it and it's alluring and there's that, there is that sick stroking of the ego out there. I'm guilty of it probably more so than most people out there, but it is an issue. And I, I personally, I try to be wary of hyping up a movie on its merits before you know a thing about it. And if nobody said a word about the trial of Chicago seven mm-hmm. until they saw this trailer, the tone would be vastly different. I think, I, I think we'd both watch the trailer and see a lot of the same visuals being glorified. Yeah, I, we would have the same. I, mean, I agree. We, I we think would have, we would have similar have responses. I'm but, saying the opposite. I'm saying people that hold it on a pedestal already now yeah. are going to, I mean, instead of saying mea culpa, they're going to try to rationalize it and they're going to try to say it's still out there and I was still right and blah, blah. Like, I think there's a problem with following the parade. And I think there's a problem with putting these movies on a pedestal before you really know any or see anything about them. And, and I understand it's part of the punditry, but. But here's the thing. If it, if this subject matter wasn't the subject matter, people wouldn't be picking it. Bottom line. And everybody's going to say, everybody's going to rage at that. They're going to F me up and down. And I think they're wrong because, look, I you can't say that, that just because this cast is who this cast is, you, you, it's a best picture level or best picture favorite. When you have a cast from the French Dispatch that literally has three times the amount of Oscar winners. In <laughs> That's it. a fair point. Like the, there's two Oscar winners in the trial of the Chicago seven cast. And there's two others that were nominated in previous Oscars in the, in the French dispatch. I counted them. I'm sorry. Th- did I say 12 or 13? Anyway, you got six and six, <laughs> six and six. So don't tell me that you, I'm picking this movie because of the stellar cast. Don't tell me I'm picking this movie because of Aaron Sorkin. Aaron Sorkin's directed one movie and he's been a writer his whole life. And that one movie wasn't nominated for any Oscars. When you have a year with Steve McQueen, Christopher Nolan, Spike, Lee, David Fincher, Ridley Scott, and Steven Spielberg, when they all have films coming out, never mind the bunch of, you know, we have so many great female filmmakers that are having years that need to be recognized. You you can't tell me that it just has the Oscars pedigree. And then you add on to the fact that we have this release date real estate nonsense happening with it that, I mean... I, there's no other reason for people to be picking this than to than for the subject matter, and the subject matter is not equivalent to what's going on right now, not even close. And I think the audacity of making that comparison is just infuriating, and it just reeks of Hollywood half measures, white savior misconceiving the moment. George Clooney foot heel deep in the mouth. Yeah, we've, we've solved racism, or how can I make this about me? Yeah, Ugh. yeah. Make it about why is it? Why are we gonna put? I mean, can you imagine? I would be mortified as a white person if black people are currently dying in the streets. They're currently fighting systemic racism on a daily basis. It's a living, waking nightmare after generations of having done so, and have, after generations of being ignored by the white public. And all of a sudden, you know, to try and stand and commiserate with them, and a majority white academy is gonna pick a movie about white guys surviving the same thing, and it's two-year period are you kidding me are you kidding me and the lone black guy that gets you know uh yeah we'll give you a subplot again i shouldn't be mad at this movie i shouldn't it's not the movie's fault it's not the movie's fault it's film twitter's fault for getting us this angry and netflix is for cutting this trailer right 
And I, I, we've loved Netflix. We've loved them for their diverse hiring practices. We've loved them for how they've treated their employees. We've loved them for so many reasons. But we got to kill them for this. Yeah. This is terrible. Yeah. And, I mean, look, uh, come yell at us. We know. We've been in the minority on stuff before. We understand it. Uh, it's not a happy position to take. But like we always say here, we're going to tell you the truth. We're going to tell you how we feel. And we're not going to lie to you or sugarcoat it. And both Mike and I saw this, and we were outraged yesterday. I wanted to we, puke. I wanted I mean, this to puke. Is, yeah, this was – I hope – I hope this is just a really poorly cut and timed trailer. That's what I, I just hope. hope I, yeah, I hope it's a case of bad timing for the yeah. movie itself, and the movie's just a really good movie. But again, the, the whole perception of the film's Oscar chances is what's pissing me off. Yeah, and me it's too. What's pissing me too. You off because I would think that everyone out there would recognize that this movie is going to have a steeper hill to climb because of its subject matter, because it, it, it parallels and it reminds us of what's really happening, but without, without conveying that, without conveying this, the same thing. Like the, the visual imagery is similar, but it's obviously entirely different. Yeah, it's lacking context. I, yeah. It's, <sighs> well, that was a happy note to start on. <laughs> All right, let's transition from that to talking about The Father, which is coming out from Sony Pictures Classics, and along with The French Exit, this movie, and The Truffle Hunters, which is the most ambiguous title for festival season maybe thus far. No, it seems like Sony Pictures Classics is going to have quite a busy awards and festival season. I, Mike, was very surprised at how entertained and alert, alert to this trailer I found myself being. We have Olivia Coleman and Olivia Williams both playing the role of Anthony Hopkins' daughter, whose looks keep changing to him as he is currently battling dementia throughout this movie. So the trailer is built on some mystery, a core mystery there, a very highly plotted trailer and this is kind of different than what we just talked about but mm. it's more up your alley so uh, I, I and i'm with you i'm with you i think this is the kind of trailer that i get into that i'm intrigued with i'm guessing one character is the actual face of his daughter and the other is the face of his wife if i spoiled the whole movie that's <laughs> I what if he I'm... just had a son the whole time? There was no women whatsoever living. No women whatsoever. Well, that's our <laughs> future. Dimension. Right, right. That's what we're suffering through right now. Because we scream at uh, you know awards pundits <laughs> our whole lives and have uh, a general lack of female attention. So, Michael, I think I'm a jerk for assuming so much, but this movie has a lot of... Uh, ability to change my mind and change my perception of what's what it's going to be basically to fool me so th again i mean it, it's setting you up this is a trailer that's setting you up i think there's a lot of uh, skill here in putting this together we're also getting a lot of range i thought uh, emotional range from oh. hopkins especially compared to what he was just nominated for in the two popes he's called he's going all over different emotions in this one you believe him when he's totally unsure talking to his doctors. When you believe him when he's furious and angry and you're terrified of him because of his uh, illustrious career of him being angry and, and scary in movies. But if you could hit the notes, sing loud, Anthony. I mean, it, that <laughs> fake smile, that fake smile he gave was simultaneously chilling, Mike. Hannibal Lecter levels of chill, but also just like broke my heart. Yeah. Because it's, it's an old man defeated giving you a smile he knows that you know is fake yeah and that, that's really sad and mental deterioration that's a ripe cinema friendly character battle for awards we've had just in the last 
30 some odd years the iron lady still alice on golden pond away from her just to name a few those all dealt with the subject and each housed an oscar nominated or winning acting performance for the character dealing with mental illness uh, it's such uh an important subject matter in the world i think uh i think a lot of p- people have been dealing with it especially the longer people live the more that you have to take care of your uh your elders and i know you and i have both had to deal with this personally yeah. as, as caregivers or as you know kind of part partial caregivers you know for my grandparents uh, going back it was it was not easy it was not easy um being partially employed and having to help my grandpa every day, you know, before he passed. And, and it spent, it was a couple of years of me doing that for him and, you know, made a lot of the same jokes. So that's the one side of it where, you know, and you can make a lot of the same jokes to him and you can just get away with making, telling the same joke over and over again. I'm a bad person is what this episode no, I, is proving You know today. what? In all seriousness, I, I, I follow a couple of mental health advocates on social media, especially people dealing with Alzheimer's. Uh, I know Erica Steiner is one of them, as a matter of fact, and her mother is unfortunately suffering from it. And she's building a YouTube career off of dealing with that and being a caregiver for that. So, and, right. and humor is a big part of that and being able to tell the same jokes and have fun with it. So you're, I mean, I know you're saying it in jest, but I, it's absolutely true. And I think that's also part of what makes these films so relatable and what makes people uh, so attracted to the characters suffering from those ailments. Yeah, we're, well, we're concerned for them in a 90-second trailer. So they did the job here. Yeah. We're going to see the father. Great performances by the entire cast. Uh, just in the, the 90 seconds, we got to see. Yeah, I, I, I understand. I'm very excited uh, to see that for a lot of reasons, but I know I'm going to end up fighting back tears like I did throughout uh, Still Alice, which I also just rewatched recently. Well, to take a step back, though, Michael, uh, Ann Thompson is saying that Anthony Hopkins is entering the Oscar race now. And yes, I agree with her, you know, with this trailer, with the film kind of getting a second life at this next set of film festivals. But this movie did play Sundance. So if this was such an Oscar-level performance, why didn't we hear it then Yeah, from, in January? Probably I mean, a fair people, point. You know, so I'm a little skeptical that this is necessarily a no-brainer that he's got to win, got to be nominated, got to be, you know, got to set that, uh, that new uh, record of being the oldest person ever to win kind of thing. Yeah, fair point, I think. Fair point. Let's uh, transition and we'll talk about the aptly titled Dick Johnson is Dead. So this is the, I guess, the also Mike joke version of the last trailer. We have we have a sick premise for this. Like, this woman, this female filmmaker, is kind of sick. She's making a movie about her dying father, and it's a kind of a comedy, but it's also touching, and it's also really, I just thought it worked on me emotionally. Pulls your heartstrings. Yeah, I, I kind of felt Anthony Hopkins fake smiling at me throughout yeah. this trailer every time that I, you know, when I laughed because it's sick. It's totally sick. Like they're pretending to have the father. They're staging the father's death. Yeah, many you, times in you, the trailer. You're saying it's kind of a comedy. I'm like, God, I hope it's a comedy because she's basically just killing her father multiple times on screen for this movie she's shooting. But she's got her father and her relatives, you know, coming to grips with their mortality in like these long emotional interviews as well. So, I mean, it's it's going to be one of these drama comedy on the edge of a tonal knife project here, you know? Yeah, this is another one that's getting, uh, it had buzz uh, from Sundance. This is a Netflix release, correct? Netflix released, they're releasing it in early October. Now, they have released most of their Oscar winning documentaries much earlier than 
Oscar-winning films tend to be released. And so I'm not worried about this release date. Let's say, you know. Yeah, I don't. I didn't get a. I mean, this seems like a, a cool story and a heartwarming stuff and and a heartwarming one and one that people can absolutely get into. I don't know that I got Oscar vibes from from this trailer, at least from the first look. Well, Andrew keeps talking about it like it's totally right. an Oscar contender. So, I mean, he's hearing some things, I guess, on the on the DL cool. there. So, we'll have to check it out uh, in a in a few weeks, Mike. The next trailer, though, this is like something that I'm surprised it took us this long to talk about. We got Dune, which is still and it's December 18th release date, even though we're expecting that to move. What'd you think of the trailer, though? It was nice. That's my take, Mike. <laughs> All right, I have to get this off my chest. And again, I'm like on the edge, folks. I just quit smoking. I'm having withdrawals. That's why I'm like half crazed asshole. It's half... not also Mike. It's just ornery Mike now. It's angry Mike. It's I don't. Yeah, I don't know. I can't even come up with it. Psycho Mike. Remember my wrestling name? Yes, he's back. When I was yeah, Psycho Mike is here. This is Psycho Mike. Anyway, hate is a strong word. Okay. Good start. But I hate. The 1984 David Lynch film, Dune. It is <laughs> grotesque nonsense that builds into one of the more belligerent white savior stories ever told. Is the book any better? God, I hope so. <laughs> I've tried and failed to read it on several occasions, even though people that I know who love epic fantasy as much as I do, and I read a ton of epic, fa- epic fantasy, love this story. So I, it's probably my fault that I've never been able to do it. That being said, Denis Villeneuve is one of my favorite filmmakers working today. I have an unreasonably high level of expectation for his next project, whatever it is. The fact mm-hmm. that he's doing Dune with all those huge production values, sci-fi, desert planet, giant earthworms that look like buttholes. It, it should work, <laughs> All the hallmarks. <laughs> so I'm in this like crazy area where I'm just like this bipolar middle on this movie so i can't get too excited i can't get too uh down on it so i'm basically like you it's fine that's the yeah. only my, that's the only saving grace i i wish i was more excited for this i don't know why i'm not it just look I, it looks wonderful the cinematography is excellent uh and a lot of people will tell you that and this seems to be automatically entered in that category just from basically this one trailer alone and uh, we, we're going to talk about, you know, it might be moving its release date. WB moved their whole schedule around, but this one hasn't been touched, or at least it hasn't been touched yet. And does it make right. sense for them to move it at all? If they had this lush Twitter premiere for this big, you know, online event where all the cast was joined and Stephen Colbert was there to introduce the trailer and blah, blah, blah. Uh, that's a different conversation for a different day. What you glean from that is that WB feels like this is a huge deal. This is a huge uh, money deal financially. There's a lot. It's going to be a giant blockbuster. I, I just... Why don't I care more? I think you, in particular, don't necessarily buy into the quote-unquote chosen one epic fantasy stories. You've never have. Yeah, that's true. You just like you're you're not a Harry Potter guy. You're not you're not a Lord of the Rings guy. You don't go in for that because I'm the chosen one. You're not the chosen one. Why isn't this movie about me? I was not going to say that, but now I, I completely pound the table. New grade. No, 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 no. I just think, look, I mean, the production values couldn't be higher, right? We right. got Hans Zimmer's score. We got uh, Pink Floyd's Eclipse as as the uh, the remixed song that I actually thought kind of was, you know, was fine. I didn't hate it in this trailer. IndieWire just came out today saying that actually Hans Zimmer was the one who mixed that song on behalf of Pink Floyd. 
Mike, I do think that this movie is much smarter than its predecessor in, in 1984. It's going to be two... It's taking the Dune story and it's making it into two movies. So this is only going to be one half of that, you know, 450-page book that's just been unwieldy in the past, like, like for David Lynch. So, yeah... Lynch talks about butthole worms, and he can talk about them all over all he wants. But at least Villeneuve doesn't have penis and vagina in imagery in every single shot. I mean, Mike Lynch had flying dildos, floating manatees with vagina mouths, and worst of all, half of the cast makeup in the 1984 Dune made them look like they had venereal diseases. I am not kidding around. That movie is disgusting nonsense. It's the fucking peewees playhouse of production design in terms of what we got compared to what we got here i mean this is all sleek and beautiful the costumes are minimalist compared to the uh the the syphilis that they were wearing (laughs) on on their bodies in that other movie you know what the best part about david lynch's dune is though is that if you sat the man down and you interviewed him, and you said all of this to him, and you were like, what the hell were you thinking? What is that movie about? The answer would be just equally as obtuse. It was about the stock market crash of the 30s. Didn't you see the imagery? Like, what? It brought out the worst impulses in David Lynch. Because you know how like he's purposely on the nose, and, and a character will just be like, I scorn you, or just basically right to your face. That's the line in a David Lynch movie. I hate you. You're the worst person that's ever lived. That's a David Lynch line of dialogue, but it's so oblique and strange, obtuse, like you said, in the way his characters deliver it, and he's got miles of subtext that nobody understands, that it works. In this movie, it's just the bad guys are all bad with syphilis, and the good guys are all... <laughs> you know, basically using flying dildos to succeed. It's ridiculous. It's the syphilis bad guys against the dildo-wearing good guys. Like, every good conflict comes to an end to be. Uh, Look, in all seriousness, what I am impressed with as far as Denis Villeneuve goes, uh, I'm impressed with the look of this film. You don't need me to tell you that. Everybody that ever sees a a Villeneuve film is impressed with it. But what I am overly impressed with with Villeneuve is the guy who's been charged with a couple, like, impossible tasks in a row, and Mm -hmm. he's... The ones that have come out thus far, he's ace. Like, he had to make a universally heralded alien invasion movie. Everybody loved Arrival. He had to make a sequel to arguably the greatest standalone sci-fi film of all time 30 years after the original in Blade Runner. And while it didn't do, you know, gangbusters at the box office, critics couldn't get enough of it. It was an Oscar-winning film. And now he's being charged with making Dune a big-budget success. I mean, that takes balls to do. And he, a lot of these projects he does take a lot of audacity and a lot of gumption to do. And when it takes that, Villeneuve has aced it thus far. So that aspect of this I am very much interested in. He hired Greg Frazier, Mike, and he did the cinematography on Rogue One, Zero Dark Thirty, The Mandalorian. So, I mean, the way he's filming these deserts, he's working with a guy who's built his entire career on shooting deserts. I mean, he is a as visual a filmmaker as they come, and you're right. He's just nailed sci-fi. He's made it look as good as it's ever looked yeah. on the silver screen. This is another movie that you have to see in the movie theaters, right? It's a ten, It's a tenant-level cinematic experience. I would think. That I'm just, I'm hoping actually moves rather than tries to jam into a release spot at, at this point. As much as I kind of want to see it be better than the 1984 version to get that uh, those vagina mouth manatees out of my brain, I'm willing to wait. I will wait 
on the vagina mouth manatees. All right, Mike, Rebecca coming out October 21st. So I don't remember the original at all. I haven't seen it in like 20 years. I can't remember a thing. All I remember is I enjoyed it. I had to watch it with my Hitchcock class, and uh, I loved it. This is nothing like what I remembered. That's all yeah. I yeah, the original, of course, was the famous 1940 film from Hitch that won him his lone Best Picture Oscar. It also won Best Cinematography, Black and White, starred Laurence Olivier and Joan Fontaine. It was based, like this movie is, on the Daphne du Maurier novel, and I, like yourself, Michael, remember nothing about it. This seems like very much of a Jane Eyre storyline, except you have Kristen Scott Thomas being like a composite of all the other characters and Jane Eyre that yeah. are not the romantic pair of characters. Uh, like, she is being snootier than yes. usual. And then you got an Anne Dowd bomb that's going to go off in this one. <laughs> Look, right? Lily James encounters both Kristen Scott Thomas and Anne Dowd within seconds of each other in this trailer. Oh, no. Her character should be clawing at the fourth wall in an attempt to escape this movie immediately. <laughs> I mean, one of those is a harbinger of bad things to come in and of themselves. But when you have Gosford Park Scott Thomas staring at you in the face along with Ann Dowd, uh, Lily James has no chance. But don't worry, Mike. You have this uh, director who has this long track record of making period pieces for our mothers that will just soothe their Sunday nights, correct? (laughs) No, you got Ben Wheatley. Ben Wheatley's behind this from Free Fire, High Rise, (laughs) batshit crazy movies, A Field in London, or A Field in England. Anyway, this guy never made anything like this. This is, is, for him to make like a Gatsby kind of movie, it makes no sense that he's doing this. I couldn't be more intrigued. Miss James, would you like to play a character that has no chance? <laughs> I mean, just no chance. Yeah, I, I mean, again, this is another one. I think the the settings look absolutely stunning. Some of the yes. cinematography shots we had were, were great and breathtaking. In my next life, I want to be a location scout because I don't know how people find some of these places that end up on screen. I mean, that hillside shot going by the ocean there was just breathtaking. So I, I was in for that. Uh, my question, maybe more than any other throughout this entire episode, what's the over-under on the number of gorgeous people Army Hammer gets to be rolling around on a hill and making out with in his life? Yeah, that that bastard, huh? Just <laughs> He's already got Chalamet. For... <laughs> He's got Lily James here. I mean, come on, Army! <sighs> the, I mean, the golden hue... Of the cinematography, too, is just rubbing it in yeah. at that point. Yeah, he's a jerk. I'm in a basement right now in a T-shirt. <laughs> this episode is bringing out the absolute worst <laughs> in us, Mike. And we have another huge trailer to discuss in trailer two for, I'm sure it's going to move very soon, No Time to Die. Yeah, this is another one of the rumored blockbusters that are inevitably going to be delayed again so i would assume you're right so don't worry though we can get uh, keep doing the james bond character study right mike an 18 month <laughs> james bond character study is coming we got we got the content though seriously i mean we can review movies that we missed we yeah. can review all the songs we can power rank everything i mean it's just I, we're having we're having increasing amounts of fun with that character study as we go it's gonna be one episode where you and i just dress up in tuxedos and get hammered on martinis <laughs> 
We can make all of his drinks. <laughs> Twitch. That, that'll be our Twitch debut. You were talking about Twitch? Yes. There it is. Yes. Uh, we do, in this trailer, we get our long-awaited introduction of Lashana Lynch's Nomi. I, I think that's how you pronounce that character's name on screen. Watching her kick some ass and take some names, and she will presumably prepare to take the double O mantle from Craig after her, his send-off here, we all think, anyway. We get that SEAL Team 6 shot of her falling back into the darkness. I just think that might be the coolest visual of the year. It's so cool that she's kind of looking out the top of her eyes and she just backs away. Yeah. My God. Uh, and then she's flying that miniature plane. Mike, yeah. we're going we're gonna to finally get some cool-ass tech in a Daniel Craig Bond movie. Something we haven't gotten I know. Yet, really. It's been minimalist. Speaking of minimalist, it also... Is James Bond just a bad spy and he's only <laughs> saved by being surrounded by even worse bad guys that chase him? 24 movies in, you're realizing this <laughs> like, now? Well, like, look, in this trailer, right, he's being chased down on a bridge by a car that's big enough for, wide enough for one car. If that little tiny stone pedestal doesn't happen to be there that he can duck under at the last second, James he's Bond dead. is double O dead. Yes. That's a lot of exposure to have without a plan B. The man is flying by the seat of his pants. He's a completely unrealistic amalgamation of the real thing. And it's why he's a male fantasy. I think we've established this in, you know, a lot of They should have watching. the realistic James Bond where that guy just gets hit by that car and dies. And then credits roll. But this movie's trying to be a little more realistic in that, you know, there's a bomb thrown down and he almost dies. And he kind of hits his shoulder and he's got a bad knee and... It's more realistic. James Bond, grandpa years. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'm just like loving the visuals in these trailers, though. We just go from Denis Villeneuve, and now we have Carrie Fukunaga, who's one of my absolute favorites. I mean, the director of True Detective Season 1, and his career has just been established as a visual filmmaker, unlike you know many that we've seen. And, and you could freeze frame almost every shot of this trailer, and I could pick out like five of the coolest things I've ever seen in those freeze, yeah. freeze frames. I probably watched this trailer like 20 times now. I can't remember being, uh, maybe Spectre. I was very excited for Spectre, but otherwise I don't think I can remember being as excited and amped up for a Bond movie as I am for this one. I think a lot of it's going to hinge on what this was for Craig, personally. Mm -hmm. Like, if this was, we know he kind of had to be coaxed back into do doing the role one more time because MGM didn't have a new Bond lined up and they wanted Craig back and they know he's a reliable moneymaker and blah, blah, blah. But they had to back up the Brinks truck to convince him to don the suit and drink the martini one last time, as at least we all assume this is one last time we've been told it is anyway. So if Daniel Craig saw this as a paid vacation, then, you know, we might get a little more of a ridiculous bond. But if he's able to dig down deep one more time and pull out something like a Skyfall or pull out something like a Casino Royale type performance, this could be one of the best of the series of the franchise ever. I think the stakes are high. I think the villain looks great with Rami Malek. Yep. I mean, he's Agreed. terrifying. I think uh, he's got a lot of cool allies or villains we don't know yet, but Anna de Armas scissor kicking that dude in the chest, Mike. She's such a badass. Uh, loved it. You you got some things that are just uh, culminate the series too. You got Lashana Lynch and Naomi Harris, Money Penny, and the new Double O 
talking shit about Bond in that office, that yeah. office from hell that we saw for 24 <laughs> episodes where, you know, just so many wrong things happened in that office. Terrible, terrible place for women. And that's where they're talking shit about James Bond. It's perfect. And, and Mike, the Adam Westing down the side of the glass building. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I mean, can you imagine? I, I, I mean, I'm just, my stomach lurches just thinking about it. But the way that shot, it was gorgeous. The jet black glass of the building. I, I just thought it was one of the best shots of the year. And it, it looked course, very, very, everything, everything in this trailer looked so sleek and just so cool. And that's, you know, Bond is supposed to be the, the epitome of cool. Mike, gun to your head. When is this movie coming out? It's coming out in uh, April 20th of next year, <laughs> yeah. a year later, but most likely. But I, I would be surprised if it came out before. Yeah, I feel the same. I feel like the same. Like next summer at this point. But uh, no, you're right. I haven't been this blown away by James Bond levels of cool, maybe ever. Maybe since the first Bond movie I saw, you know? Yeah, I, I agree with you. And they can keep building up the anticipation, I guess, unless Netflix swoops in and buys it out from under MGM, which I can't see happening. But as far as something that Netflix will be uh, debuting and premiering sooner rather than later, we have The Boys in the Band and the first trailer for that, Michael. So everybody talked about this being an adaptation of a Broadway play, and it's called The Boys in the Band. So I thought it was a musical. So did I. Just I. assumed. Yep. It is a drama. It's a relationship drama. It's a Tony-winning drama. And I'm not going to lie, I'm so much more excited about this now because I love adaptations of Broadway plays. I mean, this has got that all about Eve, it's going to be a bumpy night, Mm -hmm. you know, setup where these characters just like relishing all of these jibes that they're throwing at each other. But they also have all this history with one another that they care about one another and they're friends and they're... uh, Mike, I just think like this is drama... That's that's ready to explode. I love I love when uh, everybody's giving each other looks like this. I mean, this is this is this is intense. Yeah, I'm with you. And I'm all for Jim Parsons kind of not being fit into the box that he's been fit in since kind of the right. uh, the Big Bang Theory days. He's got a little teeth in this one. He's showing a little a little bit of like the badass attitude and a little vindictiveness. Um, I'm glad you were able to analyze the trailer because. I had a much more difficult time because there wasn't a single man in this trailer that didn't make me actively question my sexuality. <laughs> so I'm doing just great in quarantine. Thanks for asking. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what to tell you there, but uh, sure. there's a lot of beautiful men in this picture, Mike. There's a lot of beautiful men in this uh, trailer, and uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, maybe my my lack of uh, articulation is is making the same thing, but. <laughs> Look, it's refreshing to have openly gay actors play openly gay characters Absolutely. in a movie that has that for its subject matter. And Absolutely. It's, I just think that's that's an important – again, I wish it wasn't something that took until now for Hollywood to do. But, again, we, we started out this episode killing Netflix – Let's praise them yeah. for, for doing something right here. I think that uh, is absolutely fair. And, uh, and I, I'm really happy about it. Joe Mantello is the director here. He's had a legendary career on Broadway, uh, but he hasn't done much on screen. However, when he's been on screen lately, he's been in awards-worthy stuff. He's scored an Emmy nomination for his work in the HBO movie The Normal Heart. So uh, just reasons to be excited about this. I Like you, I thought this was one thing. I see it's something completely different. That's my fault for going in with expectations that I know nothing about. And I'm very, I'm very happy. I'm very excited to see what this is. 
What's strange, though, is that by the new Oscar rules, this should qualify, right? But apparently it's it's all going to go Emmys. They're, everybody keeps talking about this being an Emmy vehicle. Oh, for really? For next, next year's Emmys. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. I would think it would qualify if Netflix wanted Yeah. Netflix can do whatever they want. Let's be, I mean, as far as awards go, and that's kind of one of the whole issues of the, the yin and yang of this awards uh, calendar and what the mm-hmm. fe- film festivals get in trouble with Netflix with and all this type of stuff. And it's a never-ending amorphous blob that's going to keep shifting until it finally settles at some point. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, let's move on to another streaming service here. Our last first look. One night in Miami, Mike, we got a one-minute clip. So not much to chew on. It's like a 60-second clip straight out of the movie, but wow, does Eli Gorey, and I apologize <laughs> if that's not how you pronounce that actor's name, but he does just a phenomenal Cassius Clay, Muhammad Ali impression in this. I, I bought into him immediately and much quicker than I was able to sell myself on Will Smith playing the character about two decades ago in the Michael Mann film. Yeah, that's kind of Will Smith playing Will Smith's Muhammad Ali right. in many ways, even though I liked that Michael Mann film because probably I liked that story of the George Foreman fight. I mean, there are some of the greatest documentaries ever made, greatest sports documentaries ever made based on that fight. There's right. a couple of them. Agree. I, can, I can go on and on about it, but uh, I think uh, I think you're right on. I think the impersonations are fun. Like the Muhammad Ali impersonation is 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 funny, and it works at that scene. And the guys are having fun in the hotel room. And I loved how the Malcolm X impersonation from Kingsley Benadire. He's the nerdy, serious guy who mm-hmm. takes all the fun out of the room with all the big words. And, of course, they're going to discuss, you know, serious stuff. I mean, this was the legendary, true-to-life, you know, meeting of the minds between all of these, you know, civil rights leaders, black athletes at that time, you know, to work for towards social justice. Regina King's making this movie and this play was written for a reason because it's, it's still so resonant today. And I, I think... This is an interesting way to bookend this entire episode because if we're going to take timely subject matter and put it on a pedestal, then why in God's name is this not the movie Mm -hmm. that we're touting as a film Twitter branch? At least if you're going to give something the edge, and again, it's debatable if if it's an edge or not, or if you're just tabbing it to set it up to fail. I just think all the indications seem like this is going to be an enjoyable movie. All the reviews are very positive. Regina King has had uh, quite the career. And, and for this to be her transition moment into, you know, work behind the camera, I'm really excited for her. A couple of red flags, obviously. Amazon has not had a lot of success at the Oscars, Mike. We heard Who? a couple of reviews. <laughs> right. We heard a couple of reviews last week that it's a bit on the nose. But another another adaptation of a play that you know again is is like i said last episode or two episodes ago could really work cinematically if uh if if it's well directed and well composed and apparently it is it's carrying an 80 meta score which i mean only on 17 critic reviews it's early and it's gotten a lot of high praise from from uh, what film festival was it mike Venice, it was out of competition, but right. I think it also premiered a TIFF. Right, right, right. Venice is the one I was thinking of. Uh, got a lot of high praise from just the early festival circuit that it's already done on. Yeah, I look, your lips to God's ears, man. There's a lot of reasons to, to look forward to it. I think there's a lot of reasons to look forward to all of these movies for one reason or another. I, it feels like an Oscars year. 
even though a couple of these might end up getting moved anyway. So we're going to keep an eye on all of it. And we're going to have, uh, as always, much more to say, as we always do. And we will be here with you every step of the way, filling you in with all the news and reviews and information and guest spots that you could possibly handle. But as always, dear listener, what's most important for Mike and I is we want to hear from you. We want to hear your thoughts and your takes on these trailers, on any of the criticisms and the highs and lows that we have. Are we missing something? Do you yourself have critiques, highs and lows that you want to share with us? Get at us. As always, you can leave us those remarks as well as anything else you have to say about anything we do here in the MMO Empire. Leave us all of that on our social medias. We are Mike, Mike and Oscar on Facebook, Mike, Mike and Oscar on Instagram at MM and Oscar on Twitter, Mike, Mike and Oscar at gmail.com.com and on Reddit. We are available everywhere you hear podcasts. I actually just resubmitted this podcast for the new Amazon podcast group thing they're doing. So you should hmm. be able to, if you weren't able to find us on Amazon Music, you should be able to find us once again because uh, they just kind of changed up their format. So uh, if we're not somewhere that you listen to podcasts and you don't see us, let us know and we will be there shortly. But if you would be so kind, if you are listening to us on the Apple Podcast app, uh, if you would be so kind to take a couple seconds out of your day and leave us a five-star review, that would be very, very cool of you. Michael, what are some words of wisdom? What's coming next from MMO? Words of wisdom, and I think we both talked about this off mic quite a bit. I think it's it's fun to engage in Oscar punditry as as yes. as an industry. I think it's it's a lot of fun, but we really have to be careful on the films that we put on a pedestal. Yes, and the re and why we're doing that. And I just I, I vehemently disagree with uh, what we're doing right now with the trial of the Chicago seven. And I wonder if the movie's going to live up to it or fall away by the wayside. I don't know. I mean, it's not the movie's fault. I want to reiterate that again. I, it's not Aaron Sorkin's fault. It's to me, it's a perception problem yeah. and I'm aggravated by the perception of it. So that's where we're at. And I think we're both in agreement on that, but we, we do got to be careful and maybe I got to be more careful about uh, my nicotine nicotine withdrawal and how <laughs> I handle it and how I fly off the handle. <sighs> You're doing great. Green, well, when I don't have my green tea is what I was going to say there, but, but Mike, what's coming next. I think we were talking about actually doing a box office update because there's a lot to talk about with, with tenant Mulan, Dune, Wonder Woman, all the movies that are, you know, on the release calendar and moving off the release calendar, I think we got to just sit down and, and just discuss the box office. So that that'll be next. Yeah, and the industry at large, because there's some questions that uh, I want answers sure. to. Damn it! But yes, guys, when reality sucks, you can come watch these movies, review these trailers, and hang out with us. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar, trying to make award season year round without the stuffiness. We will see you all very soon. See you.